The Irish Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Children made an ad in the form of an animated cartoon with a catchy tune aimed at 8 to 10 year olds, which encouraged them to talk about their anxiety. But its theme that you can feel like your head will explode if your feelings are held in featured exploding heads, body parts on the ceiling and a brain in a toilet. Some parents are not happy about it, saying their children were scared rather than enlightened by the ad. Are they overprotective or did the ISPCC get it wrong? And do many charities in wrong-headed attempts to talk about mental health get it wrong too? In studio today, Hazel Larkin is an author of Gullible Travels and she's a mother. Dr. Claire Hayes is a consultant clinical psychologist and she's author of Hope in the Age of Anxiety. And on the line is Irish Times columnist Jennifer O'Connell and psychotherapist Stella O'Malley, author of Cottonwool Kids. And we'll just kick off with a little clip from the ad first. And that's the Head Bombs ad uh, made by the ISPCC. So, Jennifer O'Connell, how did you come across the ad and what did you think about it? Well, I should say, first of all, it's a hell of an earworm, isn't it? I think I'll be humming that for the rest of the day. And yeah, in my own personal experience of the ad, actually, I, I mean, I didn't come across it until a week or two after my children had come across it to my chagrin because I suppose like most parents, um, I don't sit down and watch TV with my kids when they're watching TV. Um, and my children are age 9, 10, and 3. So the first I knew of it was when my 3-year-old came bolting out to the back garden in, in, in her granny's house where I was sitting with my mum and said, I, I want to go home now. I just want to go home now. And she was pale and she was shaking um, and, and really obviously very upset by something. And she's not a kid who, you know, she's not a kid who's frightened of the hoover or the hairdryer like some kids. She's fairly resilient. Um, but she was really upset. And ironically, when I asked her what was wrong, she said it was a secret and she didn't want to tell me. Um, but when I pressed a little bit harder, she said it was about um, the monster who said what would happen to your head and your eyes. So I didn't know what that meant, but her two older siblings had been watching the ad with her. So, of course, I, I found out what it was about. And then eventually, you know, we had to actually stop watching TV in the house because if it came on, she would just be terrified, like really, really frightened. Um, but, you know, and I know that, look, she's not the target demographic for the ad. The ISPCC and um, Childline, who, who have created the ad, have said it's aimed at 8 to 10-year-olds, um, which kind of raises two separate issues, I think. One is, like, the content of the ad and whether it's even suitable for an 8 to 10-year-old age group, which is, which is one issue. But the other issue, I think, um, and for me it was, it was the way I came to it, is the distribution of the ad. I mean, if it's aimed at 8 to 10-year-olds, then I'd wonder why they're showing it in every commercial break on Nickelodeon, which is watched often by younger children. 
um, and Nick Jr. and and why it was also being shown up to, until very recently in, in cinemas as family movies. What did your older children think of it? Yeah, my older children's reaction was really interesting, actually, because um, I have a nine-year-old who's, who's quite a thoughtful child, and, and like many kids, he would have worries from time to time, um, and generally deals with them very well by talking about it. So, you know, they were explaining to me what the ad was, and I said, you know, is it is it really scary? And he said, well, it's, it's kind of creepy, Mum. Um, and, you know, he understood that the, the head exploding was a metaphor, but he wasn't sure what it was driving at. So he kind of came back to me to talk about it later, which I suppose the ISPCC would say was part of the aim. You know, we did have a conversation about it. Um, but what he wanted to know was, you know, when it says in the ad, talking makes us stronger and you can keep your head for longer, he, he wanted to know, well, if I don't talk enough, you know, what's going to happen to me? And does this, is this ad saying that I, might, that I might die or that I might kill myself if I don't talk enough? Um, and, you know, I think that's way too much for a nine-year-old to take on. And like I said, he is a thoughtful child. And I do know that there are other children. My older child, who's 10, was a lot more meh about it. You know, she just found it a little bit creepy. And she said mm. some of the kids in school were talking about it and thought it was funny. And that's great, you know. And, and sure, there are kids that find this ad funny. But probably they're not the kids that need the messaging. They're probably not the kids who the ad really is aimed at. You know, it's aimed at kids who have issues and have worries and have fears and aren't talking about them. The kids who shrug it off and find it, find it funny and a bit of a laugh and a bit creepy are, are probably not the kids that would benefit from the messaging. So and I what, think it's just misguided. But what do you think about the idea of the ad? So, okay, so we've issues with the execution, yeah. but, but targeting primary school children at all and saying, you know, you might have issues around anxiety and you should talk about them. Are you okay? With, yeah, okay. No, I think that's, really helpful messaging and, and I think it's fantastic but I think when you're talking about mental health and you're talking about kids and, and again like kudos to the ISPCC for um, for coming up with this for obviously putting a lot of funding into it and I should say you know it's an impressively executed ad the animation is fantastic the song is catchy the graphics are strong but it's just the visuals are very disturbing you see the heads of the children swelling up and exploding with blood spattering everywhere and brains exploding onto desks and blood on the wall and blood on the ceiling mm. you know it's a, it's a lot for a young child to take on but having said that i do think the intention is great um and I, you know i'm i'm big into talking to my kids and um, you know some of them out of the three there's the couple of them would be more anxious than others um, and we would have you know daily conversations about anxieties and worries so i i think that that's really important but I think if you're having a conversation about um, mental health um, and the target of that conversation is children, I think you just have to be really, really careful that the message is hand- handled sensitively. And I, I don't think this is the case of me being an overprotective or oversensitive parent. I think um, from the reaction that I've seen on Twitter and, and other people who I've spoken to um, about this during the week, a lot of parents are having the same concerns about it. Okay, and if anybody wants to see that ad, we've put a link to it on our Twitter account at TalkingPointNT. So, um, Stella O'Malley, so you're a psychotherapist and, and you've written a book, Cottonwool Kids, which I think might be, I haven't read it, I intend to, about overprotective parents. So what do you think about the reaction to the ad? And do you think people are overreacting? Um, I do think people are overreacting. I think... Um it's focused on trying to um, target the 8 to 10 demographic and they're trying to get them to talk and they're trying to get into their heads and they kind of consulted with 150 kids to try and, so they're using words like use your cake hole and things like that, trying to kind of get down with kids. And I think, I think they've succeeded. I think an awful lot of kids are talking about it. I do think that when children are anxious, it's very important that if they bring it up to their parents, that they, um, that, 
parents take that opportunity to talk to the child about the anxieties and not buy into the fact that if they're very anxious about something, they, it, they, the child should lead the way on that. If the child is very anxious, it could be irrational fear or it could be irrational. And if it's irrational, like a cartoon on the telly or like the fact that your head has exploded, well, then I think it's a great opportunity to talk with your child about heads exploding and they don't happen and it's not a rational fear and this is when you shouldn't buy into your fear because the mind is a great servant but it's a bad master and the mind can bring you very scary places. As a psychotherapist I meet so many children in their teenage years. They are absolutely consumed and paralysed by anxiety. They've bought into their fears, they've bought into um, they've been sheltered from things that made them feel uncomfortable and yet an awful lot of psychology would say that we need to learn to be comfortable with the uncomfortable. We need to learn to deal with our uncomfortable feelings so that we can better face the world because there's an awful lot of difficult feelings on the way for all of our children. And I, what I, I suppose what most got me most agitated about uh, the Twitter campaign to, to ban it is that that's going back to the arc. We've done the banning. We've tried to ban uncomfortable things. We banned, you know, we didn't have sex education. We banned so many things. And to think we're banning something when it's a mental health ad that's actually working, that's increased the number of phone calls to Chiline, that has without a doubt got people talking about mental health at the right age, that they're starting to talk about it at a young age, that, yeah, you need to talk. And if a child has kind of misconstrued the message, that's okay, because it's an ad, and... Th- they can talk in the safety of their sitting room with their mom on a couch about how they might have misunderstood it. But that's OK, because maybe some people are born more cautious, some people are born more um, brave, some people are born you know, foolishly brave. And if your child is a little bit more worrisome, well, that's your opportunity to take it with a mental health ad. Just like, let's say, the ads for famine victims. And they're very uncomfortable ads. And am I, do I like watching them? No. Do they probably serve a necessary service? Yeah, they probably do, just like the ads for the speeding. I hate those ads, and yet they're uncomfortable, and they bring up feelings in me, and they probably are necessary. What about the point that, okay, this is targeted at 8 to 10-year-olds, and the ISPCC have consistently said that, but because it's on television all day, much younger children are watching it, like Jennifer's uh, child who was three. Um, In my own case, I have three children. They're 13, 12, and 5. The first I heard of the ad was when my producer mentioned it to me. And then when I went to them and said, have you seen the ad? They'd all seen the ad. Yeah. <laughs> and none of them had mentioned it to me. The older ones were obviously very cool with it. The 13-year-old said, oh, stupid, which 13-year-olds probably think most things in life are stupid. So I thought that was a perfectly normal reaction. The 12-year-old thought, yeah, I think it's a good idea. He can be a diplomatic kind of guy. So he may have thought it was silly too. But anyway, he coped fine with it. And uh, the five-year-old did not like it. When I showed it to him on my laptop and said, have you seen this ad? He physically recoiled from it, you know, and didn't like it. And he had been watching it on TV. He had but seen it. And th- he, th- he, there is an awful lot worse. Roald Dahl has really some really creepy images in his books. Tom and Jerry is incredibly violent, always has been. You know, th- there's so much worse than the idea that one ad, which is a mental health, which is actually part of the solution and not part of the problem, is actually the one that we're picking up on. It just seems so wrong-headed to try to ban a mental health ad. Actually, Jennifer... It bring Je- out uncomfortable feelings, but it's not about 
banning these things. Actually, Jennifer, you know what? Maybe that's a fair point. Because no, I, I, I don't think so. And I mean, I know with Stella and I had a conversation on, um, briefly about this on, on Twitter the other day. And, you know, I, I, she uses the example of Roald Dahl and, and Harry Potter and, and the Brothers Grimm and things like that. You know, and what I would say to that, they're very nuanced, complex stories where, you know, bad things happen to bad people. Kids generally come out and talk. But fundamentally, they're stories and kids understand that they're stories. But this isn't a story. It's a, men- it's a mental health campaign message aimed at children, which is extremely different. And you know, the message in it is, if you don't talk, this will happen to you. The line that my nine-year-old quoted back to me that he wanted to know, like, what were they driving at, was, talking makes us stronger and you can keep your head for longer. And he said, you know, what do they mean that I'll keep my head for longer if I don't keep talking about my problems? What's going to happen? And, you know, I think, yeah, it's a great opportunity for me to have a, had a conversation, but really he's too young, in my opinion, to be having a conversation about what happens to people when their mental health and yet, on top of them. And yet, to be fair, here we are, we are all talking about yeah, it. And, and I, I did go... Campaign, brilliant. Like, a round of applause to the ISBCC if the aim of the campaign was to get people talking about the ad, then they've done that. But if the aim of the campaign was to get kids talking about their worries and their problems, I don't see much evidence that they've succeeded in that. You see, I do. I do see evidence. I have seen children definitely talking about it. And my own children definitely thought it was a brilliant ad. They're nine and seven, which is pretty much the demographic. And they got it. They completely got it. And they got the metaphor because mostly children actually work in metaphors. So that's how they learn more than anything. And that's why all those stories from Red Riding Hood, Hansel and Gretel, which is petrifying are stories, there's morals in those stories. They're not just stories, they're actually stories with a message. And the children get it. They, they get the message. Yeah, but Stella, yeah, but what about the collateral damage? You know, those well, younger see, this children. This is exactly what I, that's why I'm on this yeah. <laughs> interview, is because the collateral damage of having sheltered our children is already very clear to me. When we sheltered our children and we gave them the Disney version of reality, I see those children, they're in their 20s and they're in their late teens. They're absolutely paralysed by anxiety because they haven't learned the coping mechanisms for life's difficulties in the shallow waters. They haven't learned them because they were sheltered from them. And then when they come to their early 20s and real life difficulties start really coming in, really hard and strong, they haven't got any coping skills. Mm. And that really matters. So we can't shelter children at the age of nine from a cartoon with an exploding head because they need to learn that, yeah, there's metaphors that you mightn't like, there's uncomfortable feelings that you mightn't like, but it's okay. You're in your sitting room. You can talk with your mom about it. And you'll cope because that's what the, the role of the parent is, is to be kind of warmly confident in the face of the child's fears, not stay away from that. It's scaring you. Don't watch it. Turn it off. That's not been shown to be effective in helping children deal with their anxiety. I, I would disagree with Stella on that because, I mean, my, my three-year-old was so frightened by this ad that she actually doesn't want to go. It took her about a week and a half to want to go back to her granny's because of the scary TV in her granny's. You know, and, and she's way too young for me to be thinking about making her more resilient and making her confront her fears. And, you know, in general and broadly, I, I'm a fan of Stella's work. I, I agree with her about not wrapping kids up in cotton mm-hmm. wool. Um, I, too, have seen the damage of kids who were overprotected, particularly when, when I lived in California. Um, and you see their parents there tend to be an awful lot more overprotective than Irish parents would be. Um, and they baby their kids right up to college level. And I, I, I totally agree with Stella that that's not the way to go. But I would ask you, Stella, in your professional opinion, do you think that scaring kids is really an appropriate way to start a conversation about mental health? And I agree we need to have the conversation but I just think that this is the wrong message. And no, wrong no, message. I don't think scaring kids is a good way to start a mental health conversation. Not at all. But I do think that this is actually 
a funny ad and I don't think that it's that scary. I know some children might get scared of it and obviously your three-year-old got scared of it. But then I know a five-year-old who's scared of Scooby-Doo. That's fair enough. We can have irrational fears. It's okay. But I don't think that means it should be banned. It's the banned bit that I'm like, oh my God, that's such a wrong direction to go with a feeling that you don't particularly like an ad. And, and, and like to be an clear, I, I haven't, you know, I haven't called for this to be banned. I just think that they should be very mindful of where it's shown. I think that, you know, I started out by saying there's there's two different conversations, really. One is the content of the ad itself, which I do think is misguided. But the other one is the context in which it's shown. Oh, well, that, that's a different conversation. To have a conversation about an ad and say that maybe it's too violent and maybe it's a bit creepy, that's a different conversation. The conversation I was I was under the impression was, should it be banned and it, it's scaring people and we should ban it and I just think that's so wrong-headed. We're talking about the ISPC's ad called Head Bombs this morning aimed at 8 to 10 year olds but which some parents feel uh, given that it shows in cartoon form exploding heads and body parts is just a bit too much and uh, perhaps starting a conversation about mental health in the wrong way. We've been talking to Jennifer O'Connell Irish Times columnist and psychotherapist Stella O'Malley author of Cottonwool Kids but in studio with me also is Hazel Lark and she's a mother and author of Gullible Travels and Dr. Claire Hayes, a consulting clinical psychologist and author of Hope in the Age of Anxiety. Hazel Larkin, I better go to you first because when I was talking to Jennifer and Stella there on the phone, you were bursting. <laughs> so you better give us a quick rundown of your view of this ad. Oh gosh, where to start? Look, I think it is hugely problematic. I understand that Grimm's fairy tales are there and they're very difficult and they have messages and that children uh, may or may not be scared by them and if they are, well, it's fine because there's a message and Roald Dahl is quite disgusting also. But they're at a remove. They are removed from our children at the moment whereas this um, ad is telling our children right now that if they don't follow the direction, follow the directive of this ad, their heads will explode and this will happen to them, which is a very different message than here's a story about people who lived in the woods. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, fine, so the, the production values might be very high, but I, I think that's not really the point. Um, well, how, first of all, what about the other messages in the ad? You know, so it's it's saying they should talk about it to their friends or is it saying they should talk about it to their adults? Ah, well, what else is it telling them? Well, I, that is another problem that I have with it. We only see children in the ads. And the, I, the, the message that, that I saw from watching it, albeit with, with an adult head on, um, is that you speak to your friends. Now, I understand that it's Childline, you know, and that, that the idea perhaps is that Childline would be, would be you know, that the children would call Childline to discuss their problems with them. But we don't see that. We see children in, in a school setting, heads exploding um, and their friends making it better. Now, I have a problem with that because our children are not equipped to make other children's problems go away or to help them manage their problems. And that is not fair to put the onus on other children to do that. Now, I do recognise that children are more likely to Mm. disclose an issue or a difficulty to a peer rather than to an adult. But once I have disclosed, say, for example, Sarah, you and I are at school and I have a problem. And I say to you, Sarah, here is my problem. Mm -hmm. And you go, fine. What does Sarah then do with that? Where do you go with it? That is not part of the message in in this ad. Um, And then 
suppose that then, Sarah, I turn around and I self-harm or I jump under a bus or I do something because I have this problem that is still ongoing because you and I are children and have had nowhere to go with it. Um, then what happens to you? Do you blame yourself? Do you hold yourself responsible? Do you suddenly think, what should I have done? Could that's I have managed this better? Uh, that's that's Stella. Stella, I'm not finished. Oi, oi. Sorry. Um, my other problem is is that, yes, while talking makes us stronger is definitely a good message. The, we're not getting a message about where to do the talking and where to bring that talking to. And we're not helping our children to deal with that either. And I absolutely think that mental health should be spoken about at at um, primary school level and beforehand. It should be part of a discussion about daily life and, and, and bodies and all the rest of it. And- Stella, I'll come back. I know you want to get back in, but I want to bring in Claire Hayes. She's been sitting here uh, very patiently. Um, Claire, sometimes I wonder, and this will sound extremely old fashioned, uh, so forgive me if I do, that maybe telling children about anxiety and promoting their mental health and the idea that we have mental problems to children isn't a good idea even from the start. It's almost advertising um, anxiety. Is that a really silly way of looking at it? It, It's an interesting question, Sarah. And the whole conversation I just find fascinating. And there's there's so much going on in my head. But normally, you know, if, if I'm feeling upset, it's my tummy that feels as if it's going to explode, not actually my head. But I'm conscious of kind of mixed views. So Stella's talking, you know, her her premise, it sounds like, was that she thought that the conversation was going to be on whether this ad should be banned, Mm. whether Jennifer has has a different view. And I'd like to step back a little bit from it and look at really the learning around this, because we're talking and the programme is called News Talk. And the emphasis, not just in this ad, but right across the mental health area is to get people talking. And it's really important. And interestingly, in my work, I encourage people to question that because I I focus on what are helpful actions and what are unhelpful actions. And I use a very very simple construct of explaining cognitive behavioural therapy as a way of helping people in an educational way. So I think it's important, absolutely, that children learn about anxiety and they learn that there are triggers and that some things will trigger them to feel anxious. And if they feel anxious, that's okay. But what are they going to do about it? So if they're talking and they're talking about how they feel and it's awful and it's terrible and that's all they talk about, well, in my view, that's actually not helpful. And as adults, we do that as well. We talk ourselves into problems and we talk ourselves around in circles. But if we can say, I'm... I'm feeling upset, I'm feeling frightened, I'm feeling anxious because either that's a terrible ad or because I think it's a terrible ad. It actually doesn't matter because if we think something is frightening, we're going to feel anxious anyway. But, and then putting the emphasis on what can we do about it. So with this particular ad, I think it's important that we look at what can we learn. And I'm absolutely sure the ISPCC is really looking at that in terms of the, the lessons. So um, whether they decide to remove it or not is, is one thing. So I, I'm very much with Stella in terms of that we, and Jennifer, and I'm, I'm sure Hazel as well, that we cannot protect children. And it's not good to wrap them up in cotton wool to use Stella's um, um, phrase. But but equally, I, I really liked Stella's response to the question would you teach children about anxiety by deliberately scaring them? And and obviously none of us would do that. So when things happen that scare children, 
whether it's a dog barking, whether it's something they see on TV, whether it's something that, that they come across or that they're thinking or um, whatever, whatever it is, I think that's important for them to have a conversation with adults who don't get scared because their children are scared or don't get worried because there's something wrong with their children being anxious, that they see that anxiety is normal, it's important, it keeps us safe, there's an, an, a fight-flight mechanism, but it can go the other way where it becomes um, too danger- or too intrusive and it's flickering all the time like a light switch. So just to clarify that, so the key thing is, is that the parent reacts calmly. So if it's yeah. the dog barking, yeah. Yeah. if it's the, my five-year-old hates flies, which okay. is extremely difficult in yeah. the summertime. Yeah. Um, if it's the ad or those ads of the poor little children in Africa, yes. that the parent is calm yes. in response. Absolutely. And then what about, so let's say the ad of the, the starving children in Africa. Okay. Does that mean they should turn off the ad we're not watching that TV channel because it shows those ads or is it explaining to the child in some way yeah look there are children out there we'll donate to a charity yeah. to try and help them well I'm I'm very much into the explaining and learning as opposed to avoiding and I know Jennifer said that you know it took a little while for her three year old to go back to her grannies and it's great that she did because something as simple as looking at like, like your five year old son Sarah I don't like that then it becomes, I don't like that. Then when you start to think about it, I don't like it. And then when we, somebody mentions it, we don't like it. And then suddenly something that actually was frightening initially, months later can become a much, much bigger problem. So yes, it's important that as adults, we accept that it's okay for children to feel anxious. We're not about removing that, but we're about helping them understand what it is that's causing them to feel anxious in the first place. And really helping them develop coping skills and coping resilience around that. So, Hazel, I suppose what I'm trying to get at is, is are we at risk of pathologizing normal childhood worries and fears? By using, it does this ad by, by, by turning By turning fear of something and being upset about something into a condition, um, you know, and labeling it... Um, you know, anxiety or your head will explode or a mental illness or something like that. How do you get that balance between having an anxiety and having a condition? Yeah, I know you're, you're, you're hitting there because you know that I have an aversion and <laughs> allergy to the pathologization of normality. Yeah. Um, and there is, there, there absolutely is merit in, in, in what you say. And I think part of the reason that I'm uncomfortable with this ad is, is because it's almost like, it's not almost like, it is that the responsibility for our children and their mental health has been outsourced. Um, and I think that the responsibility is that there, that there should be some more of a government initiative, that mental health does need to be addressed in schools. And I think that the the most obvious way to do that is to have mental health professionals in the schools. Every school in Ireland should have a mental health professional. Is that not overkill? No, I don't think it is overkill because then there is a designated person to whom you can go with your difficulties, your thoughts, your feelings, your problematic issues. And for different children, they are different things. Exactly what you've said, that some child's normal is a fear of flies. Some other child's normal is a fear of bombs, particularly at the moment, which mm. also made me you know, raise an eyebrow when I thought, oh, it's head bombs. Really, there's an awful lot of that going on at the moment um, in, terms of, in terms of what children are hearing and picking up on the news. And the other thing is that children try 
to um, try to understand and rationalise their feelings and thoughts themselves. They don't always bring them to somebody else. Stella, so, maybe... Just come in. Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the reasons why this ad hits... Is that Jennifer? That, yeah. yeah. Um, one of the reasons why this ad, I think, hits such a raw nerve um, is that, you know, I completely agree that we shouldn't pathologise normal childhood reactions to, to things, and I accept that there are all kinds of things that children will be fearful of, both real and imagined. And I mean, I've lived in places where earthquakes are a real fear, where there are snakes and killer spiders and mountain lions that are all real fears. But in my experience of dealing with, with children and with adults, and, and, you know, I've had anxiety in my own life, the really scary part about it isn't the thing that you're fearful of. It's what's going on in your brain. The really scary part is the anxiety itself. It's the feeling that, like, I know that I'm overreacting. And even as a child, you can feel this. You know, you can have a sense that I know I'm overreacting and my response is scaring me more than the thing that initially triggers the fear. Mm. And I I, that's why more. I think this ad is so ill-advised because it, it feeds into that fear that people with anxiety have of, you know, what if my fears get out of control and stop me functioning Stella, in a way? Stella, just to get away from the ad just for a minute yeah. and, um, you know, talking about this stuff in general, Hazel's idea, you know, that maybe there should be more mental health professionals in the school... Something that's often struck me, and I think it applies to adults as well, is that it can be very hard to go to a professional. And often the person you're most likely to go to first will be a friend. Mm -hmm. Um, In the child, it may be the case of a parent. Um, But even for adults, you might confide in a friend that you're worried about something. And the reaction of that person, that first person that you say it to, can be so important and can really be a fork in the road, um, that there needs to be a more cultural shift and how all of us learn to react to these kind of problems rather than saying, well, the government should have a professional everywhere or you need to ring this helpline or you need to go to the psychotherapist. Do you know what I mean? I do know what you mean and I do agree with you that there should be a cultural shift and I do think actually that ad that it was saying that you should talk to your friends and I think that's right. Nine-year-olds should talk to their friends about their worries without needing to pathologise anything, without anybody saying, oh, but they actually believe that their heads are exploding because if the child believes their head are, is exploding, I would question that because they've never seen an exploding head. It's, it's, you know what I mean? They've, they've been watching cartoons for many years and so it's it's kind of an irrational fear. It's definitely an overreaction. And I, I think it's important that it wouldn't be bought into. And I do think we are pathologizing things. And I do think a massive case of lighten up could be very, very, what's the word, appropriate right now for this. Because it's an ad, like the, the Hazel who seemed to think that it should be a mental health documentary. Well, 50% of bullying, anti-bullying programs have been proved not to work. And the reason why they've been proved not to work is because they're bland and they're boring and they say, don't, don't bully and sharing is caring and things like that and the children aren't listening. You do need to kind of catch people, catch people's attention. And that's what the ad was doing. And the idea that now we've shut it down because we've caught, caught people's attention just makes my blood boil. It really is buying into this age of anxiety that we're going to freak out about everything. And, and Hazel, I will let you back in on that. Hold your thought. But Claire, age of anxiety. Are children more anxious now than they used to be? In my experience, yes. And why? Well, I think their parents are more anxious. And there's, there's two reasons that I see. One is because we're way more informed about tragedies right around the world, about disasters, about what might happen. 
And then secondly, there's a sense of that if the children are anxious, there's something wrong. So people are anxious because they don't want their children to be anxious. And it's just exploding. So the age of anxiety term is not mine. And I think it's really important that we step back from it and develop resilience and learn how to cope. So I, I was just interested if I, if I can comment yeah. on, on Hazel's suggestion about mental health professionals in schools. My background is in education and I worked in Maynooth University for, for a number of years. And I know teachers are very, very resistant to being bombarded with something else, yeah. you know, mm. that, they, that they should be. And, and really, when we think about mental health, it's, it's health. So separating out mental health from physical health is actually creating a separate thing. And when we look at health and we're talking, ask, encouraging children to talk about their worries, well, actually, that's one part of it. I, I think we really need to focus on encouraging children to talk about what went well what they enjoy doing and really moving the conversation along from if they have problems, they need to talk about it because that's focusing children. I'm working with nine-year-olds, eight-year-olds, 10-year-olds that are talking about that they want to take their own lives and they're not using my words, they're using words that I'm not even going to say on air. Mm. And, and, and there's something wrong that that's now out there, they're confused and there's, there's a very strong sense that if they feel anxious, if they feel uncomfortable, if they feel worried, then that means that they have severe mental health difficulties or that's for their parents. Their parents might think that. So, so we really do need to have conversations and, like this. And on that, I mean, I came across a, a case recently where there was a primary school girl who was possibly self-harming. And, um, and I was just saying, you know, at that age, I would never have had any concept of the idea of that. No. You know, um, there was just no conception in my head that anybody would do that to themselves. Is there some problem around raising awareness and actually introducing ideas into people's heads? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think there is, Sarah. I, I think so. When children have been, the young children that I've met who were self-harming, and I've asked them, I remember three years ago asking a child this um, where did, what did you use to cut yourself with? Yeah. And she said the blade from the pencil pair. Mm. And I said, how did you know to do that? Because yeah. I would not that have, wouldn't have occurred to me. Wouldn't have occurred. And she said, YouTube. Yeah. So, so we are in a very different world. And the children that are growing up now are experiencing a lot of difficulties, difficult challenges that we certainly didn't. And I think it's really important that we're aware of them so we can respond to what's already there. So Hazel, the genie is out of the bottle. The kids are learning about all this stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, they are, they can find out on the internet mm -hmm. crazy ideas mm -hmm. and then get curious about them and then try and implement them. Um, you've said about putting mental health professionals into the schools, but are the parents part of the problem? I know if Jim Sheehan was here and I think you've been no, on programmes with him before. Jim is marvellous. <laughs> uh, he's the trainer of family therapy in the matter. Yeah. And he would say... You know, our parents were fine because self-esteem wasn't invented until about 1985. Yeah. And then we all suddenly started panicking about our children's self-esteem. So, you know, how can we react a bit better and, and stop making it worse? Um, I think that there needs to be, um, yes, there absolutely does need to be a cultural shift. Um, around around mental health and it does need to be a part of our acceptance of ourselves as as people um, I suppose because my research is so focused on trauma I'm, I'm seeing a lot of that and and you know that that's where as a social psychologist that's where I'm where I'm coming to it 
coming to yeah. this from. Um, but I do, I, I still do think that, yes, parents are part of, can be part of the problem, but they also need to be part of the solution. And we do need to expand our vocabulary um, ar- around how we identify, even for children to identify their own feelings, because, you know, they are felt in the in the tummy and not in the head, um, as, as a very obvious example. Um, and parents... Also, we, we, need, we need, I suppose, to have less of a fear around our children's mental health. And part of that becomes having conversations as adults, um, as parents, how, how, we, how we cope with them. Um, but could, but, it, but be, I also, could it be if the child sees something scary on the television, and let's say it's not the ad, it's something else, instead of, oh, no, this is, do you need to, you know, you should tell me about your feelings about this and having a big conversation about anxiety that our parents would have said, don't be stupid, go away. Yeah, <laughs> you know, that but maybe... that doesn't mean they were right. You know, I, I, I also think that that if we look at the idea of, or, or, or if I explain why I think that children need to, to be speaking about mental health at such a young age, it is because if we look further down the road, that if... M- difficulties that adults have around suicidal ideation, around self-harm, around anxiety, around even psychosis and, and schizophrenia, if you if you unpack those, the seeds of them were sown in childhood. So let's get them while they're young and let's expand the conversation and let's have the conversation. Let's deal with things as they arise instead of saying, she'll be grand or we'll hope you'll be fine. And if you're not, further down the line, there's people to cope with that. And you have people who are in their late 40s and early 50s and suddenly opening up about things that have been problematic for them since they were children, but they were never dealt with. Um, Jennifer O'Connell, going back to that idea, and I know it can sound retrograde and I know our parents got a lot of stuff wrong, but was the idea that um, they were just too busy because there were too many children and we all had to sort out our own problems between ourselves did that have an upside? And that, that is where we learned resilience. I mean, and that by all this interfering, we're taking away opportunities for our children to build up that resilience themselves. I, I definitely think there's something in that. I think the pendulum has probably swung a bit too far in the other direction. And we try to fix problems for our, for our children now instead of giving them the tools to fix them themselves. But I, do, I think there is a danger as well when we talk about the age of anxiety that we tend to romanticize a little bit the way things were. And clearly in Ireland, we, do, we don't have a great track record in dealing with um, mental health issues or in dealing with any, any kind of issues relating to children, relating to women, um, relating to autonomy, families, all that kind of thing. So, you know, I don't think it's that we got it so much better in the past, but I think that we've probably gone so far trying to fix the mistakes of the past that we now think that there's no problem that our kids have that we can't and shouldn't try to solve. And that's not true. I mean, you do have to arm your kids as best you can. You have to hope that they'll talk to you. Um, You have to raise them to be resilient as much as you can. But ultimately, they're individuals um, and they're going to have to make their own way in the world and you can't protect them from all the problems that life is going to throw at them. And what about then that there's a lot of stuff that we just don't know? So again, I was started reading in the newspaper about this um, TV series, 13 Reasons Why, which is about a teenage suicide. And um, so again, I mentioned it to the kids. Uh, Have you seen this? Oh, yeah. Yeah, The older ones have both watched it. They'd already seen it. And uh, I had no idea that they were. (laughs) watching it you know so um they were they were both when i talked about it with them they were both caught up more in how 
the um, the series was produced. Um, they talked about the way it was all about videos and a talkback thing. They didn't seem remotely put out by the material itself. It was a piece of well, entertainment, you yeah. know, for them. Um, so obviously I had to go, right, they saw this and I had no idea. <laughs> you know, bad parent. They kind of are getting on with stuff themselves yeah. then. And I think kids are great at distinguishing between kind of fiction and reality. I mean, I discovered that my own daughter had read The Hunger Games last year when she was nine. Yeah. Um, which doesn't probably make me mum of the year <laughs> by anyone's measure. But maybe it does. But maybe it, but Jennifer, but Jennifer, maybe that's the point. Maybe it does. That yeah. you are letting them get on with stuff. They are coming across this material and they're dealing with it in their own way. And maybe that is growing up. Yeah, and I, I, and I think, you know, ultimately, um, you know, the message in that, in that ISPCC campaign to, to, to talk about your worries, it, it is probably a good one. But, but I think also, you know, I think for parents, the message is give your kids the tools, yeah. let them develop a little bit of resilience. You know, but, but I think don't make anxiety this big, scary thing. And, and that's what worries me about that, that campaign, that it makes anxiety this big, scary, unmanageable thing. Whereas in reality, anxiety is a part of most people's lives at some point. We may not have you know, anxiety throughout our lives, but I think everybody would experience anxiety at, at, at some point. I was a very anxious child myself, and I remember being massively comforted when I was about 9 or 10 and really struggling with um, the beginnings of what I now know were panic attacks. Um, somebody telling me that my maternal grandmother, who I adored, couldn't remember a minute of her own wedding day because she just had one long panic attack that lasted the whole day. Um, so, you know, I think that those problems have always been with us. And I think that, you know, we are, we are definitely better overall now than we were at, at coping with them. But, but probably as parents, we have this temptation now to feel that we always need to intervene and we always need to fix everything. We need to, we need to know what our kids are up to. Um, we need to monitor their thoughts, their conversations, yeah. their playground interactions. Uh, to an extent that's, you know, not healthy and not possible. So Claire Hayes, if I'm letting my kids watch all this inappropriate stuff on the internet and don't even know that they're watching it, is there a case for benign neglect? Or uh, well, <laughs> do I, I need to be more interventionist? I, I was just reminded as I was listening to Jennifer of um, a very eminent um, teacher of mine that I, I did some training in the States and, and um, psychologist. And he was telling me the story of... Um, driving in the car and his two sons were singing at the back and um, now my lack of being able to link a singer with a song is going to come in but um, Private Dancer so, Oh yes yeah, yeah. So they were singing um, he was singing along and it was I'm a private dancer I'll dance for your money I'll do what you want me Tina to Turner. do Tina Turner Tina Turner thank you <laughs> and they were singing that and he was singing it and then he suddenly realised oh my gosh the words do I want my six and seven year old or whatever age the, the boys were at the time actually singing this and so he turned off the radio and the boys didn't realise and they continued to sing and what they were actually singing was I'm a pirate dancer Oh yeah, (laughs) I'll dance for your mummy and I'll do what she wants me to do (laughs) and it just really struck me that the children really kind of understand at their level Mm. and sometimes they misunderstand and they misinterpret and it's really important for us as adults to keep checking what actually is going on for them not what we think is going on but what are what are they hearing what are they thinking so obviously as, as you've just said we we can't control we can't please what children watch but we can have really good important conversations and i completely agree with jennifer and anxiety is important every single one of us experiences anxiety it keeps us safe if we don't have it we're really in in massive danger i'll go then to stella maybe i'll give you the last word um so I guess uh, we're making the case here for stoicism 
and um, and perhaps via just a little bit of neglect, letting the kids build up their own resilience. I guess that's your thesis, isn't it? Uh, well, not quite. My, my thesis would be that if we teach children coping skills in the shallow water, they'll be better equipped to cope in the deeper water, which is inevitably coming. Yeah, but is that teaching by standing back a bit? Yeah, it can be. Yeah. And it can be also what you're saying, not buying into freaking out about everything. It's definitely being wary of pathologising things and sometimes thinking, you know, they'll be okay and sometimes they won't be okay and I'll talk them through it. And that's okay too. So, you know, it's okay not to be okay, as they keep on saying. You won't get it right all the time. They will get anxious sometimes. But if you can kind of effectively transmit an aura of competency that will be all right, even if you do get anxious, we'll be okay because we'll talk it through and we'll figure out a way and there's more than one way to skin a cat and you know, you've got, you know, shoulder to shoulder, you've got loving parents and a family around you to help you through any problems you have. That feeling of confidence and an aura of you'll be okay with our support does imbue an awful lot of confidence in children. Actually, Hazel, maybe I'll give you the last <laughs> word after all, because I think so what we're saying is, look, most of the kids are all right, but I guess we do have to worry about the one that isn't. You yeah. Know? So so if someone sees that child and they're worried that child is not all right, mm-hmm. what should they do? It depends on who that person is. I mean, mm-hmm. if it's if it's a if it's an what we call an appropriate adult, um, there, there should be mechanisms, and often th- there isn't. Um, that that sometimes even even counselors who are in therapy or a child is in therapy with them and they hear something that they weren't expecting that 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 can stop even a counselor in their tracks. Mm. Um, and I but I do agree with with the point that Jennifer made that as parents our job is not to protect our children from the world it is to give them the tools to cope with the world and I think all of us are are, are pretty much agreed on yeah. on that one. Um, I'm just not entirely sure that this particular ad is a particularly useful tool for for getting children to talk about mental health. Okay, and that was Hazel Larkin and you also heard from Stella O'Malley, Jennifer O'Connell and Dr. Claire Hayes. Thanks so much to them all for joining me this morning. Aidan McKelvey Research, Stephen Jordan Produced and thank you for listening.